Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. unusual thought tonight and um, this I've not I've never preached this and I I don't have a clue where we're going to go really I told Starlin sitting in a hotel a while ago before we came I said I have no idea what to do with all this information but this is I've been digging in this all this week and um, thinking about this service uh, this is really stirred in me thinking about the condition of our nation and uh, I, there's a lot I'd like to say. Uh, you don't have the time for me to say everything I'd like to say about what's going on in our country and around the world. And um, it, I could, you know, we just don't have the time for that tonight. I might mention more tomorrow. But the fact is, um, when, I, when you survey what's going on in the world and you think about the church community, and uh, I want to tell you, I know the church is blood-bought. I know we're going up. I know the Lord is almighty and he's got the church in his hand and I I get all of that. But within the church community, we are not as well as we ought to be within the church community. And we have failed throughout the church. I'm talking about by and large, by and large. And I hope tonight before we get through, even we collectively in this room can say there's room for me to do better in my personal walk with the Lord and my personal responsibility. And uh, I'm not going to blame God for what's going on in in the world. And uh, I do want to take a bit of responsibility for sowing seed. I've often say that what, a lot of what we are seeing, and, and again, this there, there is no way I can make a collective statement that, that covers everything. But you have to agree with me tonight that a lot of what we are seeing happen is simply seed sown a generation ago or for a generation that has come to fruition. We are reaping the harvest of seed sown, bad seed sown throughout the greater church community um, and, and, and by media, by news media, by entertainment in Hollywood. Seed that has been sown that is now being harvested and we don't like the fruit that we are harvesting and there is a great responsibility for us to sow better seed, and, and, and we have a huge responsibility to do that. But with that in mind, and a bit of personal study, I just this week, I've been in Mississippi this week, um, and, and, and just in a private study, uh, out of the book of Matthew chapter 12, the, the Lord made a statement in Matthew 12. I just mentioned this in passing, and we've we got to read our text. But in Matthew chapter 12, the Lord, uh, on the Sabbath day, His disciples were hungry. He plucked off some 
some ears of corn, and they ate that, and the Pharisees got mad about it because they plucked off those ears of corn and, and uh, ate, on, ate them on the Sabbath day. He said, Jesus said, have you not read in chapter 12, verse 3 of Matthew, have you not read when uh, what David did when he was hungered and, and that uh, they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God, did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But here's the, here's the verse that, that really got me. But he said, uh, had you known what this meaneth, I would have mercy and not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the guilt. Had you, had you known what this meaneth, I'm not calling anybody. I'm, I'm starting a timer so I can feel guilty later. <laughs> had you known what this meaneth, that's not the only time the Lord said that. You don't know. You've read, you don't understand. And so I, in my going back to reread what Jesus is referring to, the Lord has really stirred in me what I want to talk about tonight. Are we okay with that? Amen. Matthew, follow me now. In Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, I, I'm just, I want you to hear what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, he says this. Come, this is what Jesus says. He's, uh, he's bidding an invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, right? Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Way back in Matthew chapter number 4. Jesus has been in the wilderness. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He's, he's faced the devil. He's come out of the wilderness, heading back up to the Sea of Galilee where he's going to begin this ministry of preaching. And the Bible describes that uh, he saw, let's see here, he saw Peter, uh, Simon, which is called Peter in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18. He saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them in verse number 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now notice what happened. They straightway left their nets and followed him. Going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, uh, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship uh, with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. He bid them, follow me. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, I, again, I'm just, please, I, I'm, I just want you to notice what's happening. He's, uh, he's found some young men that, and I'll mention a little more about that in just a moment, but he found some young men that he said, follow me, and they dropped everything and immediately began to follow him, right? 
He's given the invitation in Matthew 11, follow me and uh, come unto me. Uh, my yoke is easy and all of that. In Matthew chapter number 23, I want you to turn. Matthew chapter 23, look at, look at verse 1. Matthew chapter 23, think about the invitations of the Lord. In Matthew 23, verse number 1, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. I'm going to read that again. And all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. All of their works they do, for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the uttermost rooms of, at feast. That, and the chief seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called to me and Rabbi, Rabbi, but be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all your brethren, call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven, neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ, but he that is greatest among you shall be your your servant. Now keep that in mind as I turn to John 3. In the book of John chapter 3, you know what's happening about Nicodemus. The Bible says there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and hear what he said. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. I read that just to acknowledge to you that they called Jesus Rabbi. And the reason they called him Rabbi is because he was. He was a Jewish rabbi. I know this is going to be odd. Please, God, help me tonight. Lord Jesus, as a bound pray, I'm asking you to help me with clarity of thought and, and the guidance of the Holy Ghost. Help me to say what you've willed to be said in this service and use it for your glory, we beg in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want you to get some help tonight. I came to just try to be a help to us, and I'm begging God to help me to help you. Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And uh, I need you to understand that that is something in the Jewish culture that was the most esteemed position. When we look back at Jesus' day and the culture in which Jesus was living, it was the most highly esteemed position to be a rabbi. Now, I, I do want to give you full disclosure that that they weren't not fully formally all known as rabbis until later in time. Matter of fact, sometime even after 70 AD, before the formal ty 
titles of rabbi was uh, hung uh, on a, in a formal setting, but but yet the, the word rabbi was used, and we know it was because it is used in the context of our scripture. They, they were known as elders, which the Bible does indicate. The Bible talks about the elders, and uh, and the, so these that we would know of as a rabbi were often referred to as elders or sages, and this is something that young Jewish boys would have uh, aspired to possibly be or become one day. And you have to be 30 before you can be one. Is anybody with me so far? Here, here's, here's what I, I want you to understand something. Please follow me. The word rabbi, let me back up. The word rabbi comes from uh, a Greek term, rav, which means uh, uh, it, it, the, 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 the first part of the word rav, which means to, to be a teacher, to be great. Um, and uh, the, 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 the ending B comes from a, a Hebrew word, which means my. So you're, you're looking at a rabbi. You're looking at someone you're referring to as my great one or my master or my teacher. And, and, and I think that's important for us to know. If someone is calling you rabbi, they are, they're, they're possibly referring to you as my teacher, my master, my great one. Does everybody understand that? Okay. That, and that's important. That's important. But here, here's what they would do. They, they, would, take a, they would take a five-year-old child... You, you taught them at home, as we do, just in our culture, until they get five years old. And then at five years of age, you're going to take your child um, to uh, uh, the synagogue for formal education. They're going to teach them. But it's not necessarily uh, reading, writing, and, and arithmetic, okay? When you, between the years of five years old and, uh, and let's say... Um, Let's say five years old and ten years old, they're going to study the uh, the Torah in school. They're going to study Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy heavily, heavily. They're going to begin with the book of Genesis and learn the creation story. And then they're going to take those young, pure, innocent. Uh, um, William Barclay described the fact that they would take a five-year-old child and heavily, heavily sedate them with the book of, the, of Leviticus, the writings, the Leviticus writings, because uh, they say the children are pure and the law, the, the law of the, the, of, the, of the book of Leviticus is a pure word and they're going to take that pure word and put it into that pure heart and to, to attempt to keep them pure. Is everybody with me? Because the highlight of Jewish education was not necessarily all of the, you know, the, uh, the academics, but it was holiness. They wanted to produce holiness. Here's what they would do to a child. We failed in the church. I'm telling you, the church has failed. And parents in the church have failed. Here's what they would do. I say that because I think we need to really re-examine how we parent our children. Here's what they would do. They would, they would take that five-year-old child down to the synagogue and enroll them in this school. They'd take them to the school. And, uh, and the first thing they're going to do is present that five-year-old child with a slate. On that slate will be written various 
various uh, various scriptures. Of course, there's the Hebrew alphabet. Then various scriptures, and uh, and and then then there's a phrase going to be written on that slate that says, "The law is my life." Are y'all ready? And they're fixing to enter in on day one a study of the written law, the Torah, the written law, the, uh, uh, the, the Mishka, you might say. They're going to enter into the study of this uh, written law. Here's what they're going to do. For day one, day one, they're going to present that child with that slate, and then the rabbi will take, a, uh, will take honey, and he's going to drizzle honey all over that slate, and that child will be instructed to lick that honey off of that slate. It's an introduction to that child to let them know that the Word of God they're about to study is going to be as sweet as honey to their taste. Does not the Word of God teach us that? And that is exactly what we need to be doing with our children and with our new converts. We need to be introducing them to the sweetness of the Word of God. If, I'm telling you, in the independent, and I'm, listen, I'm, I'm not against preaching about it, all right? But in the independent Baptist church, if it wasn't for cigarettes and britches, there's a lot of these fellows who wouldn't have a clue what to preach when they got up on Sunday morning. And all it is is mean, rough, ugly, hard, no count, ain't helping nobody kind of preaching. And, and these in these church crowd, the church members, and a lot of the boys, Boys and girls have uh, absolutely no love for the sweetness and the joy of the Word of God. And they want to know how come they get to be teenagers and they bail on us. Because all they've heard for 18 years is how bad and stupid and rotten no count they are. And nobody's ever t took the time to walk through the scriptures and introduce how wonderful this book is. And how wonderful the Savior is. Amen. Somebody ought to help me tonight. Amen. We okay? Amen. When you turn 10 years old, they stop uh, majoring on the law, or they stop majoring on the Torah, and they introduce uh, now at 10 years old, boys and girls, to the oral law. And the oral law is simply a, uh, is simply a rabbinical interpretation of uh, the written law. And from 10 to 13, they heavily study the uh, oral law. And uh, they get into other writings from the prophets and, uh, and such the likes. Okay? All right? So, so they're, they're really from, from age 5 until age 13, a heavy, heavy study of the Word of God. Now... At typically at age 13, the girls no longer went to school. And matter of fact, oftentimes would get married. Many girls would get married around the age 13. Now, some of the better, some of the boys who struggled in school would have been all along picking up trade, a family trade, whatever their daddy did. And some of them might enter into the workforce at age 13. But some of the better students then would be chosen to go on for more study in deeper rabbinical law 
decisions and uh, deeper study of the prophets and deeper study of uh, other scriptures that we know of and we call it Old Testament and, and just deeper rabbinical studies. And they'll do that between 15 and uh, up to about year 15, 13 to 15. Then after that, the best of the best would have been chosen in the eyes of the rabbis, would be chosen then to become a disciple of a, a, a rabbi would pick, would personally handpick one of these teenage boys to come and follow me and study from me and learn from me. And this teenage boy then would begin to follow this rabbi and they call it walking in the rabbi's dust. They would literally follow him everywhere he went, sit at his feet and learn. And they, they, they call it sitting in his dust. You remember in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul described how that he grew up sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, right? That is literally what he did. He literally sat at his feet. You remember Mary when Jesus was in the home and she sat down at Jesus' feet. Martha was upset and fussing. She's trying to get Mary up out of the floor into the kitchen. She's even fussing at Jesus. Why don't you get her up and get her in here to help me? But Jesus said, she's chosen that good part, right? Sitting at Jesus' feet. That's exactly, that's exactly what uh, they would have done with the rabbi. They would have literally sat in the dust from his, listen, you walk those, uh, you walk the landscape of Israel, it's extremely dusty. The feet are extremely dusty and they literally sit in the dusty feet and then hang on his words and his teachings. We all understand that? Hang on every word. When that rabbi would have picked you, the family would have known. If a rabbi ever picked my boy, he's gone. He don't have to come home. He immediately begins to follow him. And listen, that rabbi didn't have to tell the boy where we're going. He just goes, and that boy, that disciple, it's called, he's called a Talmud. Matter of fact, the group, the group of men, the group of disciples that would be sitting and learning from a rabbi is called a Talmud. A tal, a taldim, and uh, you you are a tal, you are a talmid, and uh, and and you're, you're you're a disciple, and you're learning, and you're not just learning what the Jewish rabbi is teaching. I'm not I'm not just trying to learn what he knows. I'm trying to learn how to become what he is. You hear me? Amen. Amen. Anybody with me? Yes, sir. I found out that word Talmud in my study when I was in that Matthew chapter number 12. And if you'd known what this means, Jesus says. So I went back to study the, some of the references that Jesus was making. And I came across a passage in the book of Numbers where, where in the book of Numbers it talked about the priest offering a continual offering, a continual burnt offering, a continual burnt offering. And I found that that word, Brother Joy, continual, comes from a Hebrew word, Tamed. 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 And I learned that the word Tamed comes from that word 
tamed, and the tamed means continual. You know, if you, if you when you when you when you made some sacrifices and some offerings, you would offer part of it, but keep a lot of the good and cook it and eat it, right? But when you made a burnt offering, you put the entire sacrifice. The, the whole offering was given. The whole offering consumed, and they would do that continually. This is what being a Talmud is all about. You are completely and perpetually, totally given to the Word of God and the following of your rabbi and the learning and the growing. Is everybody with me? Yes. I take dirt roads. I'm getting you there. Hang with me. Making sort of sense, Brother Joy. Huh? In the book of John, chapter, what is it, 5 or chapter 7, 1, they, Jesus is teaching. It's in John chapter 7. Because after he got through with that teaching in John chapter 6 about eating my body and all that, you know, and they said, this is a hard saying, and all those people left him. In chapter number 7, he's still teaching, and these folks come along and they say, how does he know this stuff, having never learned? Having never learned? Are you kidding me? Jesus had been taught. Jesus had been taught. Don't give me that. Jesus had been taught. Jesus has been taught. I'll tell you what birthed this study in me is I'm about to start in on a new study with my family. When I'm on the road by way of Marco Polo, last year I did a, I did a, a bit of a, a study with them. I, I'm not their pastor necessarily, but I still want to pastor them. And I begged God a couple of years ago, how can I help my family living on the road? And, and he burdened my heart about doing a, a Bible study with them by way of Marco Polo. And I want to do one on the doctrines of the Bible. Doctrines of more than just sanctification, justification, and regeneration, and all of that. It's the teachings of the Word. And I want to teach on how to not be proud and boastful and heady and high-minded and how not to be lovers of pleasure. What does the Bible say about pride and being lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God? And what does the Word say about anything? And I want to, I want to teach my family about the doctrines of God. Amen. And they said, how does he know this? And Jesus said, let me tell you, my doctrine is not of this world, but my doctrine is from the one that sent me. The word doctrine means teaching. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for teaching. And a rabbi was a teacher, my teachers. So far, so good. Now, I understand. I understand Jesus said, don't call yourself a rabbi. I get that. And I get that what God fulfilled in all of the law, He fulfilled it in the person of Jesus Christ. I get that. But the responsibility is still the same. The responsibility is still the same. You may not call Him Rabbi, but the responsibility is the same as the Rabbi. One who is supposed to be learned in this right here. You want him to be continually given to this book. And you want him to teach you, and you as a congregation are to follow this man. Think about, think about what, I mean, you understand something. Right, let me back up. When Jesus comes by the Sea of Galilee, now can I, I, I want you to understand what is happening in the Scriptures, and I want the Scriptures to make better sense to us. 
we like we love in our church age. Uh, everything's about getting born again, and and it's true. And I'm not making light of that. Please help me. Not making light of that. It's exactly kind of what's happening. But when Jesus comes by the Sea of Galilee, Andrew and Simon Peter are not 30 years old. They are they are in they are at least late teens to early 20s. So is James and John, and all of these disciples would be somewhere around 18, probably 18 into early 20s, and when and they 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 didn't get picked. No rabbi picked them out of school. No rabbi personally invited them to come follow me. So they have been they have they have had to resort to a a, a secular work like fishing or building or whatever it is they were doing. If you notice, Simon Peter was a fisherman, Andrew was a fisherman, James and John was working as an apprentice to their daddy who was a fisherman. Is everybody with me? We all understand that. And then all of a sudden along comes comes a rabbi. Along comes a rabbi. His name is Jesus, and he has invited me to follow him and be his Talmud. Oh, my life, I've wanted that. That's why they didn't pack nothing. They dropped their nets. Dropped. They didn't even tell daddy bye. They made haste to start following in his dust before he changes his mind. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. You hear me? That's why Jesus, all, he bid people to follow me. They said, well, can I, can I go home and tell my family? He said, no, you can't go home and tell your family. You better love, if you love your mom and daddy more than you love me, you can't be my disciple. That's right. That's right. Well, I go bury my dead, let the dead bury the dead. I just invited you to sit in my dust and learn of me. You want to be part of my Talmud? Oh, by the way. What do you have to do to take the word from Talmud to Talmud? You have to insert the Hebrew letter Lamed. And the Hebrew letter Lamed is what takes it from Talmud to Talmud. And that Hebrew letter means the shepherd's staff. It means yoke. It means teaching. And that's what Jesus is saying in that Matthew 11 when he says, when he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. We, we, we love to preach that like all of you people that are so beat down. I mean, your washing machine broke and your car wouldn't start. And oh, life is so bad. Come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. And I know that makes good preaching, but that ain't what he's talking about. He's saying, come unto me. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. Hear, hear what he's... Did you not hear the text of why he said that? Do I got to go back? Matthew 23. Oh, 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 by the way, can I, can, I, can, I, can I remind you about them lawyers that Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter number 11, about those lawyers? 
He said, uh, Woe unto you, you lawyers, you laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with your fingers. That's what he said about these, uh, these scribes, these rabbis over here in Matthew chapter 23. They bind heavy burdens, verse 4, and grievous to be born. They lay on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. You, let, 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 me, let me back up. He said in verse 2, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Let, let me explain what that means. When you would go into the synagogue, the houses of worship, there are this standing room, but then there are chief seats along the walls where these scribes and Pharisees would sit. Now there is a closet over here that's called the Torah closet. There is a seat off to the side known as Moses' seat. Out in the center of the sanctuary is a raised platform. The reader of the Torah and the speaker of the day would sit in Moses' seat. There is a man that serves like a deacon that will go to the Torah closet. He will open the closet and remove the, the scroll. And he'll begin to dance and the people will rejoice. They get so excited about the word. They, he will dance among them. They'll kiss their fingers and touch the Torah and they'll sing and rejoice and then this deacon will bring the scrolls and hand it to the man sitting in the seat of Moses. He'll take the scroll, he'll step up on the platform and he'll read the reading for the day and then he'll make comments about it. There was a time where Jesus showed up and sat in that seat and took the scroll and got up and read it. And then he said he didn't make a comment. He didn't, he didn't give any kind of sermon. He wrote it back together. He said, this day has this scripture been fulfilled in your head. He let the word speak for itself. Y'all with me? Amen. He said, these, these fellas sit over in that Moses seat and they teach you stuff that you can't do. They teach stuff they know you can't do, and they ain't even trying. Right. You follow me. But my teachings are not burdensome and grievous and heavy. I'm going to teach you things that you can do. I'm going to teach you a doctrine that's not of this world, but it comes from the one that sent me. He's not teaching you a life that is impossible to live. He's going to teach you a life that you get to live. It's not grievous. And oh, by the way, he'll help you live it. Amen. He's inviting these fellas to be part of the town meet. He's inviting folks, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. Sit at my feet, walk in my dust, learn of me. That's what his job is. That's what your job is. This is the beauty behind Matthew chapter 28. When you get down to the end of Matthew chapter 28, and Jesus says, All power, verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Then he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. It's not stated, and the words aren't used, but you know good and well. He is saying, Go into all nations and create disciples by teaching them 
You know what he's telling these disciples? You've sit under me and you've learned. Now go and create Talmuds of your own. Find some people that will sit and listen to you teach. And you, you develop them. You teach them. And then you teach them to go out and find others that will become Talmuds to them. That's the beauty behind 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Paul was a Jewish rabbi. Paul was a Jewish rabbi. Remember, he sat and learned at the feet of Gamaliel. And he had Timothy as one of his Talmuds, one of his disciples, right? Right? And he writes to him in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and he says, The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou unto faithful men. I have taught you, you have learned of me. Now, you go, Timothy, and you create your own disciples, your own Talmuds. You find you some faithful men that will learn of you, and you pour everything you have into them, and you develop them, and teach them to go out and teach others also. That's what the local church supposed to be. This is not a camp meeting. The local church is that you can't come in here and shout around, oh, let the glory fall. Half that crowd don't even know what the glory is. Because glory is not, whoo, rip, roar, and good time, chill bumps up my back. No, glory is light. And the most of them big shouting services, there's not an ounce of light in them. I know so because I've been in them and I went to IHOP and I heard what they talked about when they got there. No light in the meeting where the glory supposedly fell. I'm tired of it. Because it's that garbage that has left a generation that grew up in that mess that voted for Joe Biden. And votes for socialism and don't have a clue about what the Bible says about financial responsibility. That's right. That's right. So we better back up and punt and say what church is supposed to be is a teacher who is a preacher. And all preaching should have an element of teaching. A man uh, who will bury his heart in the Word. Fill up on it and then come and lay it out to you. And you come and you sit at his feet. And you, they describe this sitting at the feet of the, of the rabbi and craving his words thirstily. You come thirsty and hungry. And the man of God, the rabbi, and I know we call him a rabbi, this, this, this shepherd, this, uh, this, this preacher, this pastor, this, this God's man, pours this word and you soak it up. Amen. And you find somebody during the week that you can regurgitate it to, who will listen to you, your children, co-workers, neighbors, families, and friends. Amen? Yes. Amen. It don't hurt for little boys to have a gathering at school 
I can't wait to hear what he's got to tell after he's been to church on the weekend. Oh, God help us. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yes, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But you don't do what I say. Jesus said, if you obey my words, then are you my disciples indeed. We're not his, how can we call ourselves a Talmud of Christ, a disciple of Christ, when first of all, we're not even hearing him. We're not hungry for his word, I know so, because we don't crack it open between Sunday and Sunday. And we say, I just don't have time to read my Bible. Then you are way too busy. Right. How, did you watch any TV? Did you eat three full meals a week? Why don't you do without a meal? Why don't you do without a Hallmark movie? And why don't you, why don't you do without 15 minutes of sleep? And why don't you read the Bible? If you're a disciple. If you're hungry, just soak up his words. If the word of God doesn't become more important to the church, this is why we may not have the privilege to meet as a church. And oh, by the way, the reason they made that smart edit comment about how can he say all this and, and being unlearned is because he was teaching things they, they ain't been used to hearing. And that's what's going to happen when you and I go out in this world and we teach biblical doctrine that the world don't like. They're going to make some awful comments about us. Like you're some backwoods hick. Because, I mean, what is wrong with you? You're a square peg in a round world, aren't you? Old fogey. And they're going to say, you're some foolish, ignorant somebody. Maybe we ought to lock you up. We, those people ought to be put away somewhere in, a, in, a, in, a, in some lockup. Some, we ought to, put, they ought to lock them up. They've already said that, you know. That's right. That's right. I feel like such a novice even saying these things tonight. And I hope I'm making my point. Am I making any kind of point? Yes, sir. About being a, about taking the responsibility, understanding what his role is. He's not just, you know, the preacher. And when he does preach from the Bible and he hits things that you don't like, we don't go out and go to lunch and say, well, you know, how Brother Josh is. No, he's, he's our, if you say, well, I ain't got that much confidence in him, then why are you here? Right. My, my, most important, why is he here? You got somebody that you don't have any confidence in their financial, uh, you know, abilities. You can't trust them with the money at the church. Can't trust them around the people. Why, why would he be here? Well, that's the kind of guy you got. You got a guy you can trust. If you got a guy you can trust and you believe he's God's man for the church, and then, then we're going to beg God, pour the Holy Ghost, and open up the Word and show him the Word and then preach him to me. I'm not talking about cult. I'm sick of that too. Right. This ain't about a cult following. Right. Now that's another, that's another subject about building these personal kingdoms. I'm tired of that. Right. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that kingdom building, opinionated preaching. Right. Yes, sir. Right? Amen. Not looking for some opinionated somebody. I'm looking for somebody that when he talks to me, he's, he's speaking to me out of the scriptures. He tried to wrangle me and get me to side with him. He's reasoning with me from the Word of God. Right. Right. It's ain't a cult following. Right. 
Because truly what we are are disciples of Christ. This goes back to Paul when he said, follow me as I follow Christ. See, Paul had learned, though he be a Jewish rabbi, he, he is used to the responsibility of folks following him and him teaching. But now that he's been converted, he knows who we're really following is Christ. Right. It ain't so much about following me as it is about following Christ. And if I cease to follow Christ, you cease to follow me. Right. Right? This thing about following the preachers and learning from the preachers. And, and listen, it's all about following Jesus. As long as he's pointing you to the doctrines of Christ, then we're on solid ground. What great gravity, what great weight there is in our responsibility. I take my responsibility serious. I don't walk it. I've learned not to go to a church and, and fool around with what we're doing here tonight. What great responsibility. That's what I love about Brother Joy. He takes his studying so serious. He teaches. And that's why I appreciate that relationship. Here's the beauty of what he just said a while ago. He became like my son. Well, is that not what Paul said about Timothy? He's my son. You see, those disciples of the rabbis became like sons. That's why, that, that's what was, so, what was so, so heartbreaking, such betrayal when Judas who was a Talmud of Jesus, betrayed him. It was, it was the equivalent of a son betraying his daddy. The gravity of that. That's why this business of just flippantly walking away from your church is foolishness. We don't play those games. You don't just up and walk off from church. It's like betraying your daddy. Church is so serious. I hope you see that tonight. Oh, it's all about starting from the very beginning and licking that honey off that slate and realizing that that word... Oh, there's nothing sweeter than that Word. Amen. I want that Word to be the center of the church because that Word of God is God on a page. Literally, it, is, it ain't just God's Word. It's God Himself written on a page. That must be the center of what we're doing. The center of your preaching and teaching. The center of what we do here. And I trust three years, the next three years, will be more supernatural than the past three years because of our changed attitude about Him, this book, and my personal responsibility. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, yeah.